Welcome to the 88th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the great butter tart deliverer, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Eady? How art thou, dude? How, how, how are things, man? They're good. I had some butter tarts. They were good. Oh, my goodness. They were delicious. Yeah. Um, you, you followed through. I did. I did. I didn't want to be put on blast right off the bat on this on this hit show, Split Focus, a film and TV podcast, Simon. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. We talked about it last week, and uh, I said I would call you out if you didn't deliver on the butter tarts. You kept promising me week on week, but here you are. Mm. Here you were. Here you there were exiting a movie theater and saying, I have a gift for you. And I went to your, went to your trunk, and indeed, it was not a bagel. With cream cheese that you were going to throw at me? Mm-mm. It was a box of butter tarts from your local bakery. Uh, yeah, it's from the Mary Hill Mark, but, Market, but uh, I want to clarify. I didn't say anything to you. I said it to, uh, you know, um, who I was with, my 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 uh, my girlfriend, and, uh, and then she said it to you. Because we don't talk outside this podcast, never have, never will. Of course, don't, yeah. be, don't be ridiculous. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, yeah. So uh, I'm glad you enjoyed them. I apologize that uh, they were of the raisin variety. They were out of the pecan ones. Do you say pecan or pecan? Uh, it really depends on my mood. Yeah, that's fair. You know? Do you say... But uh, usually pecan. Pecan? Yeah, I say pecan too. Do you say either or either? Either and either are definitely depending on my mood. Yeah. And my move? No, my mood. Depending on my mood, yes, I, I do say either or either. Me too. I say either one. Sometimes I say either one. Whoa! Honestly. That's crazy, man. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. It's absolutely nuts. You know what's also nuts, Adrian? What? My use of the word megapolis last week. Oh, no, Simon. What did you do? We're talking about uh, Francis Ford Coppola's new movie that he's going to make, this $120 million plus movie, uh, like $120 million budget budgeted film. Dollars. And I kept saying megapolis. Not that you corrected me. I wouldn't say, what did you... Oh, what do I do? What did I do? Yes, it was my mistake, of course. But it, not well, that you called me on it. So. It was our mistake because, you know, my mistakes are your mistakes, your mistakes are my mistakes. As we, If anything, it's your mistake because you literally didn't notice. And there's no such thing as a megapolis. <laughs> megalopolis. It's called a megalopolis, a big city. Big, mm. you know, mega... Mega city, like a New New York or a, I don't know what another megalopolis would be considered, but Uh, anyways, Dubai, Night City from Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, just 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 all of Dubai is a megalopolis, 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 and it's funny because I actually cut it out, but I at one point read the word megalopolis instead of megapolis, even though I wrote megapolis in the write up. Mm. And uh, I laughed at myself and I was like, oh, that's not the word. And it was the word. It literally was. Oh, no, dude. I know. And you didn't even say anything. But you know, I feel like you don't listen to me half the time when I'm speaking on this podcast. So, Sorry, what? Exactly. <laughs> well done. Well done. Classic joke. Classic joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what else is funny? What's funny? 
That's just not, it's not funny at all. Oh. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible segue again. Uh, but uh, regardless, the Marvel shows, the Netflix <gasps> Marvel shows what? are actually coming to Disney Plus proper in the United States. We, That's we hilarious. Yeah, it's really funny. It's absolutely incredible. Incredibly funny. <laughs> but um, we talked about last week, I think it was last week, that it was coming to the to Canada, that um, tech website Mobile Syrup in Canada, of course, is called that. Mm. Um, talked about how uh, we were going to get the Netflix Marvel Daredevil, Jessica Jones, The Defenders, The Punisher, Iron, everyone's favorite Iron Fist, and uh, mm-hmm. Luke Cage in uh, on the Disney Plus proper. Like they're, we're just going to get it on Disney Plus, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But there was no announcement about the United States getting it, like the United States Disney Plus getting it. And we thought maybe it would go to Hulu, but. I kind of thought that it's possible that it might come to Disney Plus because Moon Knight was supposed to be brutal. And in fact, yes, Disney is doing this. On March 16th, they're coming to Disney Plus proper. And you can just choose based on your accounts and the profiles on that account, those account, that uh, Disney Plus account. You can choose which, uh, which of these profiles have like uh, 18 plus content mm-hmm. on them. And so that's quite interesting, wouldn't you say? That's super cool. Yeah, man, I, I'm glad that they're going that route and they're not like kind of dividing it and putting these Netflix shows on Hulu. Um, it's it's cool that they're putting it on Disney Plus proper because now it feels a little bit more in universe. It feels more canon. Again, we, we don't necessarily know if this is in the same timeline that we're in in the MCU and stuff like that, but I'm glad that they're not, you know, I guess segregating it. And they're also adding, um, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is also going on Disney Plus proper around the same time. Mind you, that is a little bit more like cable TV. It's not like R-rated or anything, but I'm glad that everything's kind of coming together and sticking together on on this one service. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is arguably not in-universe, but honestly, just based on the moves that Disney's made in some of their more recently released TV shows and movies, I'm not going to say what it was that we saw, but there were certain things, little hints to state that the characters that are from these Netflix Daredevil, Jessica Jones, et cetera, shows, these Defender shows, are the same characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, potentially like the regular like Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Captain America universe that we mm-hmm. know and love. Not some weird split multiverse universe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I know exactly what you're saying. I don't want to spoil anything still. Turns out my brother, by the way, who we went to go see a certain movie with, which we're going to talk about a little later. Um, he has not watched Spider-Man No Way Home, and he does not know the spoilers. Wild. So let's not reveal it. Yeah. <laughs> as much as you can find it easily on the internet, let's be pretty careful with that if we can. Okay. And I think we were pretty careful because obviously he didn't glean much from our podcast, considering he listens almost every week. Mm-hmm. So kudos to us for not spoiling things on our podcast. We're amazing, dude. We're amazing. Except for, of course, what Kenneth Stadelbauer, longtime listener Kenneth Stadelbauer uh, states we did, which was spoil Encanto. But he was wrong about that. He was. Encanto. Encanto. Yes. What a good movie. I love that movie. Yeah, it was really good. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun to watch. Beautiful animation. Beautiful music. Mm -hmm. But honestly, considering how amazing our podcast is, Simon, it's really annoying that the podcast Jake's Takes keeps on getting these scoops, Simon. Yeah, who is Jake? Fuck Jake. I hate that guy. No, I'm just kidding. I I never met him. He's probably a nice guy. 
Have you even um, seen him or heard him? I've never no. even heard of him. Don't even know who he is. No, me neither. But you know, last week he gets he gets a big scoop with Colin Farrell saying, "Ah, oh, you know, if I smoke cigar, kids are going to smoke cigar or whatever he said." And then this week, you know, he gets on, he gets Sir Patrick Stewart on. Yeah. Who says, "Hey man, I'm in the Doctor Strange trailer." Yeah, that was me. That was my voice. You see my bald head. That's what he said verbatim. And it's uh I don't know about that, but yeah. I'm getting sick of Jake's takes. So let me tell you, he's takes in all the, the big scoops from us, dude. He's taking in it, taking them in. He's taking them all, dude. Takes in and them now, from us. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart, obviously even a even a bigger well, I don't know necessarily, but it feels like a even a, a bigger actor to be on that show. Mm-hmm. And a and a and maybe even a bigger reveal. Yeah. yeah. Definitely an older actor. He's been around longer. Yeah. But the crazy thing about that, that reveal though, seriously, that was a bigger reveal in that uh, Patrick Stewart had said a week before that he literally wasn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Like he said that as like a, I don't know if he just didn't know that he was allowed to say that he was in it. It was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's obvious. It would be kind of like seeing, um, I don't know, seeing like the arms of Doc Ock in that trailer and then <laughs> Alfred Molina coming out and saying, Oh, I'm not in it. I don't even know what those arms are. They're not mine. Not me. That was not yeah. me. That was that was an impersonator, which I think yeah. that's what Patrick Stewart had said. That was yeah, an Alfred says- Molina. There's lots of Alfred Molina impersonators out there. But yeah. <laughs> Name one Alfred Molina. Name one. Well, he's never said that. That was a that oh. was an example that Patrick Stewart okay. had said. There's lots of impersonators of my voice mm. in reference to the Doctor Strange trailer, which is absolutely nuts, by the way. That Doctor Strange trailer. Arguably the best trailer of the year, still. Yeah, I agree. It's a great trailer. Sounds like you have to go poo. You're very constipated. I am. I am. I'm sorry to hear that. It's been years. Yeah. Years, that's definitely not true. I worked with you and you'd literally go poo twice a shift. So. Hey, man, I got good bowel movements. Got good bowel movements. So you admit it. <laughs> How are your bowel movements, Steven? Eh, they're fine. This is not really the the place for that kind of talk. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that outside the show. Um, oh, we don't talk outside this podcast. So yeah, I was testing you. Good job. Mm. Well done. Thanks man. Ooh. Well done, Adrian. Ooh, that was a close one. I was sweating there, dude. Yes. But yes, let's reach into that mailbag for a moment here. Shall we, Adrian? Okay. We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Kenneth Stadelbauer, longtime listener, longtime writer, and her longtime collaborator, Kenneth Stadelbauer, wrote into us and he said, Cinemaphiles. <gasps> I assume that means us. I, I would I would assume so. Good thing you didn't write something different with the files. There's like literally hundreds of them, but yeah. Like pedophile. Because we're not that. We're definitely not pedophiles, is all I'm saying. It's a good thing you didn't write that. What? There's, again, file is not, it's not inherently a bad thing. Yeah, I know. But it's the first thing I think of. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, anyway, he continued from the first word. While blaming entertainment media for violence is easily disproven, smoking is a little more insidious. For nearly a century, the tobacco industry has been using movies, TV to promote the idea that smoking is what the cool people do. It's true, though. From Marlene Dietrich's seductively sexy cigarette scenes in the 1930s and 40s to the hyper-macho Marlboro man of the 50s to the 80s, what's more studly than a cowboy 
with enough body hair to make an orangutan jealous, puffing on a nick stick. Eventually banned from advertisement of their product on radio and television by Nixon in 1970, cigarette companies stuck with product placement in media until that was also banned in 1998. Disney announced years ago that they were no longer having characters smoke in their productions and have put tobacco use warnings in front of older productions on their streaming service. More recently, studios are likely to be doing it due to the recommendation by Surgeon General Jerome Adams, based on a 2019 report showing that smoking in movies did indeed increase cases of young people smoking. He suggested restricting smoking to R-rated movies only. Hmm. And he continued with a little, little postscript by saying, by the way, as to the question of what I would do if I had a wife disappear in the Thanos snap, remarried and had kids only for my original mate to return five years later during the unsnappening. Easy. I know it seems awfully big of me, but I would keep both wives. I can easily make two women as miserable as one. (laughs) Signed, Kenneth. And he's got a quote here as usual. They're talking about banning cigarette smoking now in any place that's used by 10 or more people in a week, which I guess means that Madonna can't even smoke in bed. Quote by Bill Maher. Fuck it. Let's do it live. That's not... No. Is it is Bill Maher the guy that says, hey, I'm Bill Maher? <laughs> what? Is, is that the guy? Hi, I'm Bill Maher? Yeah, he says that, doesn't he? Isn't everyone? <laughs> Do you your name? Like I definitely say, don't say, hi, I'm Bill Maher. I say, hi, I'm hey. Adrian Pinter? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, he does. He says that. Good, good for you, Adrian. Okay. He also says a lot of things. Like, he says the words hello and goodbye. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you serious? I'm confused. Are you trying to say that he says that for real? <laughs> I mean, I presume he says that, yeah. Anyway, Bill Maher is not Bill O'Reilly, just to be clear. Oh, just mixing up the two bills. Bill O'Reilly, he was he was basically like he was I think he paid off like somebody like thirty million dollars in like a sexual like assault or harassment. Holy shit. Claim thing. On Fox, like he's a Fox News host. Oh, is that what uh bombshell's about? movie bombshell uh i don't know was it i don't know because i know the, the i never watched it but that that's about like the i thought it was the fox news scandal so maybe it's that i don't know if it, it was that the fox news scandal. maybe it was yeah. i think it was about something else it, yeah, so okay, Bombshell, the Oscar-nominated biographical drama directed by Jay Roach, is inspired by the real-life sexual harassment allegations brought against Roger Ailes, the former chief executive and chairman yes. of Fox News. Okay. Sorry, I knew that too. Because there's a there's a another show about Roger Ailes. I should have known that because I literally watched the entire show like on the plane uh-huh. on the way from California back to Canada. Go so I should have known that. That was silly. But that the, the Roger Ailes one has uh, Russell Crowe in it. What? The Roger Ailes show. Mm. What's that called? I don't know. We're just killing it with the references here, aren't we? Doing a great job. Roger Ailes ailments. It's called The Loudest Voice. Mm. That was pretty good. I enjoyed that one. Oh, should I watch it? I should have known what Bombshell was about because of that. having watched that. Yeah, Bombshell's on Netflix now. I've been meaning to watch it. It's on my list. Just to be clear, just look this up real brief because I said sexual assault or sexual harassment. Obviously, those are very different things although they're both bad just bad and a different gradient it was bill o'reilly's situation was a sexual harassment claim just i just want to mm-hmm. clarify that just because i don't want to have any kind of i don't know say somebody murdered somebody when they did something else that was bad i don't know mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, I know what you're saying. Slander. Just, you don't want to slander. I, I live in the I live in a world of like I think we everyone should, but there's too many extremes nowadays, like politically, et cetera. Like everyone's mm-hmm. always living in these like black and white type situations where it's either somebody is like somebody's killed somebody or they, you know, they're like a white knight who's never done anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, dude, I know exactly what you're saying, dude. There's no gray. There's no gray area. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. So like James Gunn like being canceled for the his like pedophilia joke, like from ten years ago on Twitter, that was literally a joke, mm-hmm. is somehow the same as like Kevin's what Kevin Spacey did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, there's is, a line, or like the Aziz Ansari thing, like when he was canceled for you know like taking a woman home and like like essentially like asking her to hook up or whatever, and she said no, and then remember that situation? Yeah, but that was strange because he denied that happened, right? And he said that that's not where it, there was like a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but as, I'm I'm arguably saying there isn't a line. <laughs> I think also, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know what but you're there saying. Is, there is a line in most aspects, but what I'm trying to say is there's a there's a lot of elements of like bad, but there there's way worse things mm-hmm. as you go through the scale. It has to be because that's just the way. Anyways, I, this is not a freaking political podcast about canceling people. Yeah. So let's let's move on. It could be. We, you want to switch? You want to do a quick uh, a, a a quick turn and just make this a political podcast going forward? Split focus. We're our focus is split between the views of the right and the views of the left. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. Or the or the forward party or whatever that Andrew Yang is doing. No, we we try not to keep this thing political. This is a this is we try to stay out of the politics. That's one of the beauties of our show. It's just arguably mm-hmm. easier to escape by listening to our show theoretically. But then we went on a tangent for five minutes about this. So Adrian, to not talk about politics, but also kind of talk about politics here. Are you going to apologize now to Ken about the cigarette comments about how cigarettes are cool last week? Because no. Ken is making some good points. Maybe don't even apologize to Ken because I don't think Ken actually cares. But apologize to the world for saying that smoking is cool. It's not a good message to kids, Adrian. It's not a good message to kids that you're sending. That's all I'm saying. That's fine. I don't even like kids. Okay. I, again, not sure <laughs> how this helps us. But uh, I appreciate Ken running into this uh, into us with all these facts. It's a, a neat, neat little fact check situation. Because uh, I think he had to write into us because you just uh, kept blurring the line of making mm-hmm. it seem like cigarettes are actually a cool thing to 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 do kind of to smoke. Kind of are, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. My point last week, although your point was stupid, my point ah! was that a person like Penguin, who's literally a serial killer, mm-hmm. he can smoke on camera because he's literally a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like that line can be crossed. Whereas I feel like they sympathized with Cruella and made her kind of a good person kind of in the movie. Again, I haven't seen it, which Ken, mm-hmm. by the way, when I go to work, he calls me out on all the time for talking oh, smack yeah. about Cruella. But honestly, it still doesn't matter because literally she is going to become that person. It is a prequel movie. So she's mm-hmm. clearly eventually going to be somebody who skins dogs. I know we talk badly about her being somebody <laughs> who Peter should go after, but she literally yeah. is somebody who wants to do that. <laughs> yeah he threw right? shade uh when yeah like when uh, we were at the theater he was just like you don't know what you're talking about about cruel you idiot his words not mine <laughs> wow it's <laughs> yeah. a nice thing to say it's very aggressive i was like ken i'm sorry i'm sorry that's mostly simon i i said nothing about cruel you started <laughs> it actually with that that was <laughs> many true. episodes ago when <laughs> when we talked about when that movie hadn't come out yet we were like why would why would this be a good idea i kind of want to watch it 
Yeah, like I almost feel like I should watch it, but I still have my doubts about the concept of it because it just doesn't make sense. Why mm-hmm. is this character becoming a good person in the prequel, but she's bad in the... I don't know. It's don't fine. Know. It's fine. It's fine. It's just weird. I agree. Anyways, my point was, I brought her up, but I feel like I completely lost the plot. The reason why I brought her up there is because she's smoking in that that movie. She's kind of a good person, so I see why... That would be a problem for Disney if Cruella, like Emma Stone's Cruella, was smoking. Mm-hmm. Like, although it's a classic imagery from the, like the cartoon and the and even the live action with uh, Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. But with the Emma Stone prequel, I don't think that that would be a good idea, just because she was, I think, played off more as a protagonist of that, at least an antihero of some sort. Anyways, whatever. We'd have to watch that to really get more of a perspective. Yeah, it's true. But Cruella did not turn into a good person, okay? That's just, I don't think She's that's- She's a bad bloke. Is that debatable? No. Okay. I didn't think so. I mean, either. I didn't think so. Adrian, let's get to it. Let's get to it. We watched two things this week. Mm-hmm. Two massive things, and I think we should get to the, the most significant one first. What? I think so, unless you disagree. What, what did you watch this week, buddy? Yeah, let's get to the most significant one first, all right, Simon? Let's do it. I think yeah. you're right. All right, yeah. you ready? The audience has been waiting long enough. We've been bantering for 20 minutes. Okay, on the count of three, we'll say it at the same time. Okay. One, two, three. Uncharted. Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon Town. Yeah. Yeah, we rewatched that. What a great movie. It still holds up. I'm just kidding. It's The Batman, Simon, with Rob Bat- Pattinson. Wow. Yeah. Welcome to the Bat Reeves-averse, Adrian. Oh, Yeah. Welcome Bat to the Reeves. Bat Reeves-iverse. It's Bat Reeves. He made a Batman movie. What did you think? I loved it. Ooh, baby. Yeah, me too. I loved it too. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. It, I mean, what is there to complain about, really? I don't, I don't have much. Like, I look at the choreography. Choreography? Did I say choreography? Man, my brain is broken today. You did say choreography. I, I did. I did, literally. Cinematography from Greg Ooh. Fraser who also did the cinematography for Dune. So this yeah. guy's just on a roll. Mm-hmm. He's just good in general, but he uh, he's very good. And uh, the music from Michael Giacchino, amazing. Loved the it. The acting from Robert Pattinson and from Andy Serkis and from Paul Dano and from Colin Farrell and from, I mean, the list Jeffrey goes on. Wright. Zoe, yeah, Jeffrey Wright, Zoe Kravitz, so good. Ooh, baby. So good, so yeah. good. Again, even John Turturro. Who have been watching oh, yeah. Severance, and he's just—I feel like it's the—it's the month of John Turturro for me, mm. and that he's just so good in Severance as well, and uh, he's very, very good in this too. Um, man, the, the themes, the way that they made like Matt Reeves, the director, made Gotham Bat City a, a distinct. Yeah, Matt Reeves—he made the Gotham City a distinct character, which I really appreciate. Oh, so much so, right from the beginning too, which I really appreciate. Like. Just going right into like some of the opening establishing shots of the city mm-hmm. and a lot of the use of the red, which I'm sure Greg Fraser had a lot of input in on it as well. And the red and like the dark with red. Mm-hmm. There's a scene with a flare as an example. There's scenes with headlights that are red and like shining in through a dark kind of atmosphere. It's just mm-hmm. showing various characters with like this red glare on them. I just think that, oh man, some of the imagery is just, oh, it's godly. It's very, yeah. it's very awesome. I agree completely, and also just the use of audio as well. Like there, there are yeah. these like long shots where it's you know just 
shot down a dark corridor, you hear nothing. Other, or sorry, you see nothing, but you hear these like big footsteps getting yeah, like slowly spurs. louder and louder. And honestly, the one thing I want to mention about this movie is that this movie is kind of scary. It's like, I wouldn't say it's a horror movie by any means, but there are like parts in this movie where I'm like, God damn, this is very unsettling and kind of frightening. Yeah. Um, well, for yeah. sure. Like in the way that Paul Dano portrays the Riddler in a lot oh of aspects. Goodness. So he's got this almost like saran wrap on his face. It's so awesome, dude. And just like, yeah, like the, the, the use of duct tape throughout the movie as well. I just absolutely adore it. And you talked about the audio and the audio of the duct tape. There's so oh, distinctly just, how he just uh, opens it in like segments. I just appreciate that a lot. There's something about the opening of duct tape that makes a very distinct kind mm-hmm. of noise. And uh, I, I want to just draw back to what you just said about the, the boots, like the Batman walking through dark corridor. That mm-hmm. like sound of almost like he's wearing like metal on his shoes, like spurs, mm-hmm. like you know he's coming. It's interesting how they shoot Batman in his costume walking towards things a lot. Like he doesn't run very often except for when he's in like a direct fight. And I appreciate mm-hmm. the idea that like dread is coming, like it's coming and like are you ready for it? Like having yeah. that idea of fear and actually seeing these criminals on the street be legitimately scared when they're seeing the bat signal. I don't think we've seen that too much. And Ken, Ken actually pointed that specifically out to me. Well, after uh, I entered work the other day, cause we both seen the movie and he was very excited to talk about it. And he mentioned that like the idea, even in the dark Knight trilogy is there's not a lot of criminals being shown to really respect Batman in such a fearful way. Like they're kind of scared that he's coming kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even or, or even the Batmobile, man, that scene was unbelievable. Oh yeah, the introduction of that. Uh, Ken actually messaged me about that. So um, the like Bruce Wayne's car, um, it's like a 1963 Corvette split window. The last production one sold for uh, 499,900. It's worth more than the supercars that he usually drives on screen. Yes, but that. Uh, that's kind of un- not what I was talking about. I was talking about the Batmobile. That that's the car he drives to the, um, and we see that in the trailer. But he drives it to like City Hall. Mm-hmm. Like that's the Bruce Wayne car. Like less so than the Batmobile. Oh yeah, good call. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, but that car is sweet, and I, I appreciate Ken pointing that out. He's a he must be a fan of that kind mm-hmm. of kind of vehicle, and I am as well. If I was like a rich guy like Bruce Wayne, if I had billions of dollars, I feel like I wouldn't get as many supercars as I would cars like that because i have like a real appreciation for older cars mm-hmm. as much as i didn't know off the top of my head what car that was i thought that well wow that's a sweet car that wayne is driving right now yeah i'd get so, a i'd get a yugo a yugo what's that it's a it's a car that used to be manufactured in yugoslavia oh the yugo you don't remember the yugo son no look it up right now did you just say you don't remember the yugo son <laughs> 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 I I I, did, I thought I said Simon, but maybe I did say son. Uh, oh man! Yeah, yeah. Enunciate, Adrian. Enunciate. I'll try my best going forward. You don't know the Hugo son, <laughs> but uh, what a movie! Stellar. Yeah, man, it's 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 stellar. And the one thing that I really adore about this movie as well is that it's uh, although it's you know it's a Batman movie, but th- I feel like this is the first Batman movie that we've received where they're really playing up the world's greatest detective aspect. This is yeah. a murder mystery. Like this, this movie is a murder mystery and you know, you're following these detectives trying to solve this mystery without it. 
like you know and you know batman's using his cool ass gadgets and he's just like a incredibly intelligent man i feel like they they briefly touched on this in like kind of the dark knight trilogy uh, but they they really just double down on it in the batman movie and i freaking yeah. love love that aspect i love that this is this almost seems like a very grand while it is a grounded universe and i feel like even if someone doesn't like superhero movies you could watch this and find a lot of enjoyment out of it because it is i think again a murder mystery movie first and you know batman is just the the detective in the movie and one thing i really really adore out of this as well which again i feel like we haven't seen in live action batman movies is the relationship between um Commissioner Gordon, or sorry, uh, he's not commissioner in, in this movie, but, you know, Gordon and Batman and how well they work together and how they're, you know, essentially solving mysteries together and going on these little, like, like brief, you know, side quests, not really side quests, but these like side missions together sort of thing. And yeah, I, I, I adored that relationship. And I think Jeffrey Wright and Robert Pattinson's uh, chemistry on screen is so good, dude. Yeah. So good. That is a cool thing. I mean, we got that with Gary Oldman and Christian Bale mm-hmm. um, with like Gary Oldman playing uh, Gordon and obviously Christian Bale playing Batman in the Dark Knight trilogy a little bit. Like they worked together mm-hmm. a little bit, but it was very like disjointed. Like they kind of met and then Batman left kind of thing to do, go mm-hmm. do his thing. And then uh, that's it. Like there's no – not like working together like that. There's a mm-hmm. also the distinct element of it being Batman year two of this like – kind of immature Batman who's just mm-hmm. not at the stage that he needs to be yet. And so I really appreciate that aspect of him not being completely developed. Mm-hmm. And he's not this like super, he's not so good. I, I think that I, I hope this is what I hope anyways, that as we go through the next few Batman movies, cause there's supposed to be a trilogy for this Bat Reeves averse mm-hmm. Batman movie kind of situation. I'm hoping that, uh, Robert Pattinson's next two movies, he starts to get better and we see a development of him getting and improving, maybe even just in his fighting ability. And he's clearly really good at fighting, but he uh, there's some moments where you're like, oh man, this he's just, uh, he makes some interesting errors, mm-hmm. like judgment errors, which um, we'll, we can talk about a little bit later because we're going to do it in a closer look, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where we do like a bit of a spoiler cast. We can talk yep. a little bit about some of those weird, weird moments, but it's cool. It's a, it's a really neat idea. Yeah, that that's the case. But yeah, I agree with you. Like the relationship between the two is amazing. It's throwing the uh, and and to point out what you said first, which is, I mean, they're throwing detective into detective comics. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's literally a detective story. And again, I don't find that they did that. Like Christopher Nolan really focused too much on that in the his trilogy. It's just not so detective oriented. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really appreciate that here. Ba- uh, Matt Reeves had said that he was going to do Matt that. Reeves. That he he did say before the movie, like I think right from the beginning, I think when the first trailer came out, he was saying mm-hmm. that this is going to be more of a grounded Batman where he's going to be more of a detective than we've seen. Because we haven't, we've seen a lot from the other movies, but not necessarily him being a, this great detective, like this incredible mm-hmm. detective, which again, I really appreciate. I agree completely. And I really uh, love the relationship between, um, you know, this Bruce Wayne and this Alfred and kind of how like Alfred is like essentially helping, um, you know, Rob uh, Battinson's Batman, uh, you know, like kind of solve these these mysteries, but just kind of off to the side doing his own thing, being like, 
you're absolutely crazy. You shouldn't be doing this, but still just like kind of supports him. Uh, not yeah. to the extent of, you know, like Michael Caine's, um, um, you know, Alfred in like the Dark Knight trilogy or hell, even like Jeremy Irons in like the uh, Snyderverse uh, movie. It's just, it's a little bit more, I want. I almost want to say like an adversarial relationship between the two. Like it's kind this. of like that with Michael Caine, though. Yeah, like Michael Caine's Alfred too, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, but th- there's some distinct helping him for sure throughout. Mm-hmm. That almost like he's going to help him no matter what. And he did stuff. I, f- I really appreciate it, him being shown to be taking so much initiative to help too. Yeah, I, I. I don't know. There's something really. I really do appreciate with that and. It's he, he seems a little bit more battle worn, which I appreciate too. This Alfred, not necessarily more so than Jeremy Irons, but certainly more than Michael Caine's Alfred. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that as well. Yeah, but yeah, I'm a very. That's one of the most interesting things I am most excited for going into the next movie is that relationship and seeing how that develops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you too. And um, yeah, I guess going on with uh, other characters in the movie, I think Zoe Kravitz did a freaking phenomenal job playing Catwoman. Oh, I really, Man. really like this version of Catwoman. It's it's interesting. It's um, again a little, uh, it's a little bit more like dark and grungy and like grounded than even those like Nolan movies. Um, and it's not, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, we like talked about it uh, a little bit where it's like. This is kind of more of a Kurt Cobain sort of style, like rich, you know, disgruntled sort of rich man, as opposed to like a, um, you know, high, you know, posh Bruce Wayne yeah. that's like playing with people. Exactly. He's more, He's of, a more of a recluse. And, you know, we see with um, in, in the Nolan, uh, well, I guess Dark Knight Rises with uh, Catwoman um, that she's again, also like this like posh sort of like yeah. high level, like she, she's stealing from like the super rich and stuff like that. But this Catwoman in this movie is more on the ground floor. Like she's just, she's not really like super, like it doesn't seem like she's super rich or anything like that. She's just kind of, you know, stealing to get by, which I really, really love. And again, the chemistry between her and Robert Pattinson is oh so good. I think what this movie does brilliantly is the relationship, uh, the relationships between all of these characters and how um, the relationships between, you know, um, Bruce Wayne and sorry, Bruce Wayne and Alfred, it's already there and we're kind of thrust in on it. And we really like, you know, I really like what the relationship's uh, doing there. And then obviously we are kind of thrust into the relationship between Batman and Gordon. And, you know, it's already established and I really love where that goes. But we get to see kind of the beginnings of the relationship between Batman and Catwoman in this one. And yeah. uh, I, I like how it develops throughout the movie because it is it's th- there's some very obvious sexual tension there, um, which I really yeah, like. You see that right in the trailer for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's just brilliantly done. Um, I'm a big fan of bat Reeves. Again, I love um, Dawn of the planet, uh, Dawn of the planet of the apes and war of the planet of the apes. And I was, I was confident that I would more than likely enjoy uh, this movie. And I think it actually, you know, exceeded my expectations funnily enough. It's cool. Like it's such a long movie. And I, I talked about last week, we talked, we watched uh, drive my car and it's such a long movie too. And I feel like this movie, just like that movie in some way is kind of not built for the TikTok generation. Mm-hmm. Like it takes its time and it's clear that Matt Reeves put what he wanted into the movie. And it, I don't think there was a lot of studio meddling, which I really appreciate for on the part of like, mm-hmm. uh, like in terms of what Warner brothers part was in making this movie. Yeah, because it seems like they were like, we know Matt Reeves is a professional and he's going to do a good job. So they just didn't 
push him into some weird corner where he had to cut some garbage, like stuff, or not, I shouldn't say garbage, but really important stuff out of his movie that he wanted mm-hmm. to keep in. So again, two hours and 56 minutes, not a like, not a short runtime, certainly. Mm-hmm. And uh, at moments I was like, is this going to be wrapped up now? I was kind of curious because I just, it's, it's just jarring only because these kinds of studio movies are kind of, I don't know, they sometimes feel rushed mm-hmm. like when there's big name kind of marquee type titles like the Batman you kind of think ah they might they might rush this out although obviously they didn't do that with Christopher Nolan's trilogy Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan's got a very massive following and I feel like he wouldn't there's no way he would allow allow Warner Brothers to push him that way but yeah very much so I was kind of curious what they might do and just like James Gunn did whatever he wanted with Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad I feel like uh, Matt Reeves kind of did whatever he wanted with this which is great because it's kind of on the right track um in comparison with the previous DC movies, which have been kind of not necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I appreciated the length. I appreciated their, them taking their time with these slow, deliberate, more deliberate shots. And mm-hmm. again, and some of the, the action was uh, really, really well choreographed too. And it's just, it's not really an action movie more so than it is a detective movie, as you mentioned it, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. So, and again, I really appreciate that. And Colin Farrell is completely unrecognizable. Oh, dude. Let's just say that. That's crazy. That's some crazy makeup. The makeup, the production design, fantastic. But Colin Farrell underneath that makeup. I was like, is, did they recast this? <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like we, we went, we we're, I think, five of us at the theater. And um, so, fun fact uh, this is my girlfriend's first ever Batman movie she ever watched. What? Yeah. So, how? Yeah. She, she never watched one. And I was like, oh, man, this is actually kind of cool because you're going into it with like a very fresh perspective. And she really actually loved this movie. And that, like right after she's like, I kind of want to watch like the other Batman movies. Like, I'm curious, like how they are. And I was like, this one's actually like fairly different from the the ones that came before. But yeah, like I'd love to you know rewatch those movies with you. Um, but I, I remember when um, yeah, uh, Penguin goes on or comes on screen the first time. Penguin. I like, yeah. So I said Penguin. Yeah, Penguin. penguin. Yeah, yep. when he when he comes up on screen the first time, I like leaned over and told her like, "This is Colin Farrell." She's like, "What? Are you fucking serious?" Like, genuinely surprised with that. So, um, I think he he like fell into that role. I think it's shocking to me. Again, even knowing that it's him, watching the, this movie, I was like, "This is not him." Like, how the fuck yeah. is this him? It's 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 mind boggling, dude. Yeah, we talked about House of Gucci like a number of weeks ago, and honestly, I could still see Jared Leto. I could see it mm-hmm. in his eyes. I could yeah. not see Colin Farrell's eyes. I could not see his <laughs> eyes in this character. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen enough Colin Farrell movies. I think I have. I just yeah. could not see him. It's crazy. Like, and the production design, the makeup overall, like the hair and makeup, the hairstyling, and the production design for the entire city and the way it just feels so much like a character. I really do. I don't know. Maybe I have to go back and watch the like the Dark Knight trilogy. I love Nolan's movies. It's probably mm-hmm. my favorite director. I don't know that he did as good of a job with really developing like this city that's so, it just seems so fleshed out. The yeah, way man. I think it's because of how much time he took, like with all of these different shots and there's those club scenes and the man, you just get the idea of the corruption of Gotham as almost a character as well. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, man. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you is like, I, I love that Nolan trilogy like so much as well, but I definitely... I don't think he really succeeded in making Gotham feel like like a Gotham City. Like it, it's 
uh, it's just like Chicago, really. Like I, like I don't know. It it doesn't feel as much of a character or as reliant on the setting as as this movie does. And I think again, tonally, um, this movie just really does a just just such a good job at making Gotham feel like a character. That this is like something I like watching, and it's it's dark and depressing, and even during the day, it's like rainy and just sad, and it's just you know, crime ridden. Whereas I feel like I didn't get that feeling with, with the the Nolan trilogy as much, not to compare the two. I mean, they're both Batman movies, but they, they are their own thing. And I think what this movie takes, um, a lot of inspiration from is I would say the Arkham games, actually like the, uh, rocksteady Arkham games. Sorry, Ken, for talking about video games where like even some of the, like the fighting moves and stuff that Batman does in this movie, I'm like, Oh shit, that's like kind of from Arkham, which I really liked uh or picked up on and even from like the telltale batman game funnily enough some yeah, story that's what i would say yeah. i think that the detective aspect of what the telltale game brought to the table because it's telltale games if you're not aware are pretty much just the story like there's not much in the way of action there is there's some quick time events where you just click buttons when it tells you to almost like guitar hero but it's it's more so finding out certain elements and really just going on this detective's journey Mm-hmm. Um, more, most of all, I find, I think you might agree. Yeah, definitely. In like the telltale Batman games. And, uh, and it's almost like a different take as well. That, that that's like, I feel like the most, that telltale game series feels like it's like a very different story of Batman that I, I've mm-hmm. seen probably before. Definitely. Even the suit actually kind of reminded me of this Batman too, actually to come to think of it. Mm-hmm. The suit is probably closest to the telltale Batman, like Robert yeah. Pattinson's suit. Is probably closest to that Batman that I've seen in terms of other iterations. I haven't seen every obviously Batman iteration, but mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the, there's just yeah the grunginess of the city is definitely more unique than Nolan's. I don't know if I would say that he didn't do a good job with the city. I feel like he made it more like a Chicago, though. He made it more like a modern real life city. Mm-hmm. It, it almost it's a weird. They're different in the way that they are. But Robert Pattinson's Batman almost feels more. I know more human, I guess, in the way that he kind of moves and does things potentially, but the city felt more, su- not supernatural, but more something not of this world, but in a yeah. good, really good way. Whereas Nolan's city of Gotham, it kind of almost felt like a city that we could live in today. Like I could go live there. Yeah, definitely. I think I think in Batman Begins, that like the, the first of the Nolan movies, that one kind of reminds me most of like Gotham as a character, just because a lot of that movie when it, when it takes place in Gotham isn't like the darkness, like it's dark, it's night and everything like that. Yeah. But once you get to like the dark night and the dark night rises, a lot of Gotham is just like during the day sort of thing. So yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Again, I can't stress enough. Like I, I just, I kept thinking about it the day after we saw it and I honestly just wanted to go watch it again. Me too. And I just, uh, I don't know. Should we, I think we should, if we went to in see IMAX. Shang-Chi, yeah. Again, I think it's best that we go see this movie again, considering how like it just seems so well made. Like yeah. uh, maybe I'll be wrong in the second time. Maybe it just uh, I just I almost felt like a post the Batman depression a little bit because I was like I was looking forward to it for so long, and it and it really I feel like lived up to its to my expectations to the hype, and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, I guess I was just sad because I <laughs> I just had finally seen it after waiting for it because this was my most anticipated movie of the year. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we should definitely go watch it again, and we should watch it in IMAX. Like, go to like a good IMAX theater, not like Landmark or something. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I would take the sacrifice of IMAX if we can't like 
make it to IMAX to just go see it again if 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 it's not possible. Just because it is going to be further, we'll probably have to head to like a Mississauga or like Toronto yeah. to to watch it. But I'm down. Yeah, I think like I, I don't know. Again, if we saw Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings twice, I feel like this movie is something special. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like Shang Chi, but I feel like this is something pretty different. Agreed. Overall, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a massive fan. Me too. Paul Dano is also fantastic in this, by the way. I, I, we didn't talk too much about Paul Dano as the Riddler, but goddamn, he's so good. He's terrifying. He is terrifying. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's, it's yeah, so good. Yeah, we'll talk more about it on the uh, closer look episode, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where we again break it down a little bit more into stuff that specifically are spoilery. We, we talked a lot about this just now. I didn't think we were going to go into that much detail, but we did, and we didn't spoil anything, arguably. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when we go into our like spoiler cast episode, which will launch in the next few days after this episode episode 88 launch launched mm-hmm. um i think we can go into more again spoilery detail and talk about some of the more bombshell reveals that happened yeah let's do it up man cool Alrighty, adrian what else have you watched this week oh uncharted oh yeah that is a movie we watched together mm-hmm. in theaters or should i say unfarted <laughs> huh that's incredibly unique Thanks. Thank you for that. No worries. Anytime, man. Anytime. Um, but yeah, we watched Uncharted in theaters uh, based upon the, you know, PlayStation uh, game series Uncharted. Um, and this is actually the first released PlayStation Productions movie. And it had like this really awesome opening where, it, you know, like showed all these like characters from, you know, PlayStation's, you know, first party game studios you see like aloy from horizon you see ratchet and clank you see uh you know kratos um you see Jin. Jin Sakai. Jin, yeah, oh, i was just gonna say that jinx um and uh ellie and joel which, yeah, which is ellie a series that's coming to hbo in a short short time well actually a long time apparently yeah, next year. um but yeah that's cool like I, I guess they're going to do this, that intro for every new PlayStation Studios production. It's quite similar, I guess, they would do it for the Warner Brothers Velocity like series, I assume. Yeah. I assume it's the way it's going to start, right? Yeah. I don't know why I said DC. Did you say, did you say yeah. DC? Like yeah, Detective Comics, like the Batman? I was still on the mind of the Batman. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. It's a good movie, so I can see why you'd be so distracted. <laughs> but anyways, Adrian, let's talk about this uh, in a... In a Concise fashion here. You watched Uncharted. I did mm-hmm. too. I was in the theater with you. We saw it on Ultra AVX. What did you think of it, uh, <laughs> Adrian? You just see. <laughs> Tell me. What did you think of it? What did you think of it? You just seem so interested in in what I have to say about this hit movie. What did you think? Of? I always do that. Why do you think we have a podcast? Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I thought this movie was all right. Like, I think it's pretty good. It's a fun watch. As someone that's a huge fan of the Uncharted series, I don't. Uh, I, I think it's the game series. Yeah, the, the game series. Sorry, um, it's it's relatively faithful to the the game series, and it's it's interesting because you know it takes some some elements of the games and you know brings it into this movie and this movie kind of feels like a prequel to the games, but at the same time, it's obviously in its like own sort of universe. Um, you know, the beginning of this movie is literally the beginning of uncharted three as an example. And they're, you know, they take elements from uh, even uncharted four and they bring it into this stuff. So, you know, as a, as a fan of uncharted, the, the game series, I thought this movie uh, like Ruben Fleischer, the director of this, I think he did a, a, a fairly good job at, you know, 
being true to the the source material, but you know, adapting it in in his own way. And he's he seems to be obviously a fan of the Uncharted games. There's a lot of you know little hints and nods and Easter eggs sprinkled throughout this movie. Um, and honestly, I think Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. I, initially, when the movie started, I was like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this. But after about you know, honestly, five minutes of watching him on screen, I was kind of like, you know what? He's he's not doing a bad job. I kind of I kind of like him as Nathan Drake, and um, I think the um, actress uh, Sophia Taylor Alley, um, she who plays Chloe Fraser, um, does an awesome job playing Chloe. I think I think that is arguably the best casting in this movie. I think I, I really love her character, the portrayal of her character. Um, you know, even her like Australian accent, because uh, because she's actually an American actress, uh, funnily enough. So it was kind of like. Oh, damn. Like, I looked it up after. Um, and yeah, she's an American actress. And I, I legitimately thought, like, oh, she's Australian. So it was kind of cool to see that. Um, the, the the main thing for me was Mark Wahlberg as Sully. Um, I think it took me a little bit too long for for me to kind of accept that Mark Wahlberg is Sully. I Even by the end of the movie, I'm kind of like, eh. You know, I, I don't I don't necessarily love this casting choice. Now, the fun part about this movie is we can essentially spoil this entire movie because the trailer spoiled this entire freaking movie. They literally show the mid credit scene or the after credit scene in a fucking trailer, which is so fucking mind boggling for me because in the trailer they show, you know, Mark Wahlberg, um, you know, with his mustache and the cigar that is, you know, like Sully's like main you know i guess i guess most notable things that you 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 know like uh characteristics i guess um like visual characteristics and they show that in the trailer and it's literally the after credit scene in the movie which was like i was just like my god so i think in terms of surprises this movie had none but yeah i mean don't ruin the mystery we're not gonna spoil it yeah yeah but i think that was annoying i agree yeah, but I think I think I even mentioned I was like I'm pretty sure this is just going to be the after credit scene uh, of the movie. Um, but other it's than a that, bit of a mystery in the treasure hunt, I guess. Yeah. Which is um, fine. But the mystery but, for me was other things like how they were going to do the chemistry and how they were going to concisely make a plot that resembled Uncharted. Mm-hmm. And but I'll get into that in a second, Adrian. Yeah, and I think. They kind of succeed with it. Uh, the, the the you know the puzzles and the mystery that they do throughout the movie. It's it's not as interesting as the games. You know, it's a lot of just like oh, we gotta we gotta you know twist these keys at the same time, sort of thing. But honestly, I I quite liked it. I, I think the chemistry between Mark Wahlberg and uh, Tom Holland and um, um, uh, Sophia Taylor Ali was actually you know quite great. I think the villains in this movie lack. Um, any sort of like real development, I couldn't really care less about them. I think they kind of sucked, to be totally blunt. And it's also Antonio Banderas, who's an amazing actor. So I know, uh, and nice I, opportunity there. Yeah, I feel like he was very much underutilized, and it just that there's the there's a there's a specific point in the movie where I'm like, what? Like that seems kind of like a dumbass decision because I found him to be fairly compelling if, if they kept on you know kind of developing him as as a villain like throughout the movie, but I just don't think they did a good job with it. Unfortunately. Um, and yeah, I don't know this. I think this movie was okay. Like, I, I think it's, it's definitely like a server serviceable movie. It's, it's, if you're a fan of uncharted, yeah, it's fun. I don't think it's awful, but it definitely, I feel like could have been 
significantly better and 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 had it had a lot of potential and i mean it's doing successfully it's rated incredibly well in terms of audience score on rotten tomatoes which is kind of cool to see um and and i think very clearly they'll probably continue this as a as a movie fr- uh, like film franchise as well but i don't know I, I i definitely didn't love it but i i did find an enjoyable enough time with it what did you think man man um i thought that uh tati gabrielle's performance was pretty good as a, because you just mentioned the villains were not good, but I don't think it was the the actor's fault. Yeah. That's what I would say. Tati Gabrielle, I've only seen in You previously, and she was mm-hmm. very good in You, and she's a completely different person, which I respect. It's such a, like a, it's kind of like a 180 in terms of the kind of character she's playing. Yeah. But uh, what I think overall, I thought that the opening title sequence for like PlayStation Studios was the best part of the movie. Um. <laughs> Oh. And that's not really a knock on the movie because that was a really cool title sequence. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I thought the music was pretty good too from uh, Raman Dejwadi who like did the Game of Thrones music. Mm-hmm. So I think that he did a great job too. I agree. And uh, there, there's a lot of the music from the games that they brought into the movie. And, you know, they even, you know, kind of... Um, I was going to ask that. I couldn't yeah. remember the Drake theme, but I, like, was the Drake theme in it throughout? Like Nathan Drake? Um, yeah, they, they they showed it a couple times. They, I feel like they, um, yeah, there's some that is like specifically ripped from the movie, and then some that it's kind of uh, adapted. So it's you know similar enough where it's like, oh yeah, this is yeah. like the Nathan Drake theme, but you know it has its own kind of twist to it. Yeah, um, almost like Michael Giacchino's score for Rogue One or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is a great score. I, oh, the score on the Batman again. I just keep thinking about it too. I, we, I don't know if we talked about it enough on the, our review just moments ago, but it was, man, it's so good. Yeah, so good. Oh, oh. Anyways, um, speaking of a movie that's not as good, uh, Uncharted. Here's my issue with Uncharted. So I had a fun time with it. It's great action sequences. Honestly, Tom Holland, he talked about, you know, how he got in shape for this film and he did all these, his own stunts and he probably has never worked harder in his life. He said he was so like, kind of like waking up in the morning and he was like, tack, like gassed because he was like, so he was hurting because there was like a lot of hard stunts that he was doing his own stunts for. But there's like a lot of these great moments in that you kind of feel like Tom Holland put his all into some of the stunts and like, he there's some really cool moments over like balconies and railings where he does these really cool like flip type situations mm-hmm. where he's fighting in combat sequences and stuff like that that I thought were awesome. Yeah, I was like, and wow, this is really good. I agree. And they're ripped straight from the game too, a lot of them, which is cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, I really appreciate that part. And the, you know what's interesting? Mark Wahlberg as Sully, although I've only played the first game twice, <laughs> somehow I'll play the other ones. Um, I uh, I don't dislike him as solely only because they're going clearly for a different angle and tom holland always already looks so much not like nathan drake so what's the you know what i mean like to me both of them don't look like their characters that much from the games although mm-hmm. i can see i can see the resemblance in the way that they talk potentially they're clearly much younger versions of themselves of who those characters were in the games so i can mm-hmm. live with it I, I i can see it so I, for me, that didn't bother me. I know it bothered you for, especially for Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. I, I, my issue though is 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 about the chemistry, and they just don't. It's not about the them having bad chemistry because it developed throughout, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that, and I like that, and it's my favorite part, and it's the thing I wanted to see the most because it's like this buddy movie. Mm-hmm. It's buddy. I was gonna say buddy cop, but they're not really cops at all. They're the opposite. <laughs> but the this this buddy adventure m- comedy basically is what mm-hmm. it is and that's fine but this movie's incredibly rushed 
incredibly to like stop slow down this is the opposite of the batman it's hilarious it's the opposite slow it down what i know you're doing this for the kids but like the tiktok generation this is a movie built for the tiktok generation where the batman is not Mm -hmm. and this is an issue with this movie is it just rushes itself the plot is so rushed like now on to the next thing on to the next step piece let's get there come on let's go yeah slow it down we don't need this like it doesn't even make any sense. There's a scene in the very beginning of the movie where uh, like Tom Holland's Nathan Drake has to be convinced by Sully to go on this adventure. Mm-hmm. And he initially says no. And then he changes his mind in seconds. And it's like, what was the point of saying no? <laughs> There's nothing that really convinced you. You just stood there and then you put on a necklace and decided to go. It's just – it's nonsense. Yeah. Is that – makes sense it's just stupid so my thing would have been like this you just have to spend especially in the first like add an extra 10 minutes in the movie where you create a relationship between these characters make sully's argument compelling make it good then they all of a sudden have this banter throughout the movie it's like marvel like banter where they're constantly bantering back and forth but they barely know each other at all it's mm-hmm. like they're friends they, they never met each other it's like there was pieces of the movie just cut out and they didn't have like they cut it like literally just cut it out because they didn't want to make it too long for the TikTok generation. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I don't know. Like, I, I just can't abide. That to me was like, I just couldn't stand it because I, I obviously, I'm, again, I don't like the surface and no substance type movies like mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Kong. And the funny thing is, is that you said to uh, your girlfriend on the way out, and she said to me, of course, because we don't talk outside this podcast, never, never you said, is this like Godzilla versus Kong? And I was like, I looked at you and I was like, what does he mean by that? Because that's a very specific movie that he knows that I don't like because that movie is a lot of surface and no substance between the characters. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because that's kind of what I thought about is it's very similar to that in some ways and that there's just these big battles and big fight scenes and these big adventurous things and onto the next thing, onto the next thing. It's like this great adventure movie to find this lost treasure, but it just doesn't have the character substance that I long for. The co- comedic moments, like, like if you take Shang-Chi, Chong chis got these amazing banter moments between these characters, but you see that their relationships exist. Like between Aquafina and uh, Aquafina's character and Shang chi like there's this clear bond that they have that you can tell. But I didn't believe the bond, not because their acting was bad, but because the plot did not dictate that there should be a bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that there would be, and uh, it's it's problematic and like that. Uh, yes, that's that's it. it. It's a bit, and the other thing that's kind of bothers me a little bit is. In, and it helps your case about Mark Wahlberg not being the great greatest casting is that this is a little bit like the CW of Uncharted movies. Yeah, I, I, like let's cast like really hot people. Yeah, like let's make sure we get the hottest, youngest people. People who are villains are somehow like really young. Everyone's just super young and super beautiful. That's the rule. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't cast an old guy. That's not possible. Well, like Antonio, Antonio Banderas, yeah, he's kind of a good-looking dude, though. I feel yeah, like he, exactly. he hasn't aged very much. I feel like I was looking at Antonio Banderas. I'm like, how old is Antonio Banderas? I thought he was like 70. <laughs> I don't know how old he is at I all. I think he's in like early 60s. Okay, okay, that's still he looks he looks good, but it's it's weird. It's just the whole thing is just uh, again. I just I, I it's funny because it could have been so good, mm-hmm. it just felt so rushed. It's like they were doing a trailer. It's like a, a an hour and 30 minute trailer. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what it felt like. I'm interested, but I just, uh, again, like why? 
why can't you develop characters? You think that people don't like that? And that's why critics didn't like it, I imagine. I didn't read the reviews, but it's got to be why uh, the critics didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And then a genuine flaw, a genuine flaw in this movie is the lack of of want, despite the fact that you're going to show it, show someone dying in a brutal way potentially. But obviously, if you've ever played the Uncharted games, Nathan Drake is a serial killer who kills lots of people. So let's just like like leave that up. People. (laughs) A lot of people in one game. Yeah. Let's just leave that up in the air. Um, Not that he necessarily did that as much in this game, which I I think they kind of balanced it a bit. But I'm just going to say that just to preface this part. There's a spot in the movie where somebody dies in a potentially brutal way. Oh, yeah. And they keep shooting his this person's body, this this bad guy, is some some bad guy in the movie, a goon or whatever, and yeah. he, they do not show the blood, and he's been his freaking main artery, his freaking neck is cut. You cannot do that, people. That is so stupid. And they blatantly, in broad daylight, keep showing the body over and over again it's like in in passing or whatnot and it's just jarring and like what are you doing did you not have that genuine thought adrian yeah no i was laughing (laughs) laughing it was not a laughable moment yeah i saw you like raise your hands and just like confusion (laughs) because yeah this person gets their throat slit but it's like you see literally just the line of like where where the throat was slit. It's a red line. And just like no blood coming out. I was like, it dried. I was like, this, did this guy die? Like I literally initially I was sitting there. I was like, is this just like a, like a, like a, like a minor wound? But it's like, no, this guy died. He apparently bled out and could not breathe. But- it's not even believable at all. <laughs> yeah. It's shocking. It's so stupid. Yeah, they should have just kept dumbest, that off camera. It's one of the dumbest scenes I've ever seen in a movie in the last year, I think. That just that that shot. It's just because they repeatedly, repeatedly have characters walk by it, and it's like, are you insane? (laughs) (laughs) It's so dumb. And so, okay, so I'm gonna, in all seriousness, now I'm gonna draw back in for a second. The Batman also rated about the same. I don't know if they're both PG-13, but the Batman certainly is. I think they are both PG-13. And the PG-13, the Batman, is like teetering on the edge at some points. But mm-hmm. I want to point out the Rid- the Riddler, and you mentioned this earlier, it's genuinely kind of, it's kind of scary, this film, at some points. Mm-hmm. The Riddler's a pretty scary guy, and he does some pretty crazy, brutal acts, but it's the way it's shot that's so brilliant that I'm like, oh man, it's surprising this isn't rated R. At some points. And do they show blood? No, because they can't. But you don't care about that because you don't – it doesn't matter because it's so masterfully shot mm. that it doesn't matter. And we've talked about the problem with like kind of some of the, the fight scenes in the Marvel Universe in which they can kind of feel like there's no stakes because they don't show blood. But Shang-Chi did a great job of showing a really awesome choreography so we don't care about it. And that's – it's about the way it's shot, the cinematography and the choreography that matters. And this was just like blatantly not good. Um, it's just – I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I still to this moment cannot believe seriously that they took such long pauses on this person's body on mm-hmm. the floor with a red line across their neck as if like there's like ketchup on their neck. That's it. It's even more <laughs> neat than ketchup. I swear they could have – he could have been alive. They didn't sh- – I don't think anyone checked. But they might might not check because this he's just a yeah he's a goon man goon guy. But anyway, yeah. I, I just just to give you full confirmation, according to IMDb, uh, it is rated PG thirteen. 
Yeah, which is crazy because again, if you can rate that movie PG thirteen, I know what they're going for. They're going for general like let's have everyone come to the theaters and not be worried about it. Like, yeah. should kids go see like young kids go see the Batman? No, I don't think so. Definitely not. It's a it, frightening movie. Yeah, I think what the Batman does really well to kind of set the tone, um, like fairly quick in the movie, they use their one f bomb within like the first like. 10 15 minutes of the movie i also thought that somebody else said the f word after that but i think it was like they used the word frick or they they had the score like lining over it like Mm. so distinctly that it sounded like they could have said the f word but they didn't yeah yeah that's a weird Mm. thing too but uh yeah you're right and it's like it sets the tone like oh wow and that was a pretty distinct like clearly said enunciated Mm -hmm. which i appreciated too but but yeah, Were you, was that a hands up moment though for the, <laughs> the throat slit? No, oh my I, God. I think that's a, I think that's a fair reaction to this situation. <laughs> I looked around as if like someone else is going to be like, "Oh my God, <laughs> are, you, oh, are you seeing this? what I'm seeing?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. it's pretty stupid. Hmm. Okay, anyways, let's move on. That was, yeah. It's an okay, movie. It just uh, honestly, man. I don't love Ruben Flesher's work. Me neither. I think he could be really good though. Like it's not like it's, this is not that bad. It's just, it's just so rushed. Okay. I've said that 10 times. Mm -hmm. I just, oh, I'm surprised how much I thought that it could be that good though. Cause I, again, I thought that the chemistry was going to be off. I read a review saying the chemistry between them was bad, but it's not about the chemistry. It's about the writing. Mm -hmm. They they can't do anything with that writing. It's not possible. I agree. I will be honest though. This is, this is actually genuinely not a joke. I actually did like Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City more than this movie. Okay. Like genuinely not a joke. Uh, I don't know. uh, Maybe they're even for me. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City was just funner, like more fun. The issue with that movie though is it's just so low budget and you can just tell. Like the seams are so obvious. Like when you're low budget, you can be low budget and not have the seams be that obvious. Like it's just – it's like it has no business being like the, the titling alone, like the, the actual <laughs> fonts used. It just seemed like something out of Microsoft Paint. Like they didn't have any fonts. Uh, like, I, like what, what, what that video editor did you use? Like, I don't understand. Do you use move, like Windows Movie Maker? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, I, oh, I don't know. It's yeah. not, again, it's not terrible. It's not a bad movie. Like, I, I, diss, I diss it a bit because we, at the end of every episode of our podcast lately, you've been saying that also Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon Town is a good movie. But like, yes. for me, I just can't look at it the same way as I look at Batman vs. Superman because I genuinely think Batman vs. Superman is a pretty great movie overall. Yeah. But Resident Evil has some scenes that use I just look at it and I'm like, the acting's okay by some characters. Like, it's not amazing. The writing, the dialogue in some moments is like, ah, yeah, it's okay. Some of the actors did a really good job, as we mentioned mm-hmm. on our review, like, 30 episodes ago, however long ago it was. Yeah. I actually love that movie. Like, genuinely, the more I think I about know, it. I know, I know. Let's stop talking about this. Yeah. It's going to make me sad. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Adrian, did you watch anything else this week? Uh, I did watch one more thing, but I'm going to keep it very brief on this one. Actually, I watched, like, a shit ton of stuff this week, but, again, I okay. don't want to bore you. But I watched the movie – Fresh about cannibalism, which was released on uh, Disney Plus, and about cannibalism. Am I wrong? And and Star, um, star starring Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones, and yeah. again, I think like the tagline is literally just like um, eating people is fun. Uh, no, no, it's it's like uh, the plot of the movie is like Daisy Edgar Jones. She plays like this, you know, like you know, like thirty year old woman that's kind of 
over the dating game and she's just sick of it. She's doing online dating and just dating pieces of shit and just, just hates it. And then meets this guy, Sebastian Stan at a grocery store and kind of mm, perfect. And they hit it off really well. And, and he's just like, and she's just like, man, this guy's like really awesome. But and this, this guy's guy, like, mm, I know has, what I'm buying in this grocery store, <laughs> but this guy has unusual appetites is, is kind of the tagline of the movie. And okay. the movie kind of progresses Fairly quickly, actually, like within the first like 15, 20 minutes where there's a big tonal shift where I was like, damn, I didn't expect it to go like this. And the movie just kind of goes from there. And let me tell you, Simon, this movie is yeah. a wild ride and it's really fun and it's really, really great. And okay, again, cool. I'm not going to go into it because there's so many like surprises and twists where I was just like, holy shit, I did not see this coming from a mile away. And it's fantastic. It's genuinely okay, cool. a great movie. It's not my favorite movie that I watched this week. I think that's still the Batman, but it's up there. It's a, it's a, if I didn't watch the Batman by a mile, it would be my favorite movie that I watched this week. I also watched Don't Look Up, which is like pretty oh, good. Cool. I didn't love it, um, but it, it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I finished Ozark as well, but again, I'll, I'll wait until you finish wow. that to kind of uh, talk about it. Um, yeah, we can maybe do a closer look for that. But we'll yeah. see what happens. I've, I'm kind of behind. I honestly have been playing more video games than watching things, but yeah. Yeah, I was just on a fucking watching kick this week. I was just watching movies and TV shows. But cool, sounds um, good. Yeah, fresh. If you have Disney Plus, I highly recommend it. By the way, I wasn't. I have never seen the movie, so if if that's not what it was, what I was just saying, I'm not spoiling it. I just saw the trailer, and that's what I surmised. Mm-hmm. The trailer is clearly that, in my opinion. I, I mean, I could be wrong. You could be. I'm it not going to tell. But I'll never tell. I like that you didn't reveal it. But yeah, cool. All right. Uh, yeah, I might see that. That's interesting. Yeah. Just because. You've mentioned 15 things. I'm going to try and match you here. No, I'm joking. Uh, but I did watch After Party, the end of After Party. What a great show. I mm. genuinely think you need to watch this show, Adrian. It's done. It's finished. Yeah. It's awesome. It's I, so good. I think I'm going to start that next because, again, I'm done. Uh, now that I finished Ozark, there's nothing that like I have to watch that's like a TV show. Uh, yeah. So I, I might watch that since it's like finished and you know it's bite-sized. Yeah. It's so much fun. It's uh, – what, six episodes? Seven episodes, I think. But that's uh, uh, Christopher Miller of the Phil Lord and Christopher Miller team up for like 21 Jump Street, just to give a brief premise for anyone who doesn't have any idea what this is. It's a whodunit type scenario. Somebody's killed at like a high school reunion after party, hence the name after party. <gasps> and therefore, this detective comes in and tries to figure out who did it. But this is crazy all-star cast of like, uh, you got uh, Anique played by Sam Richardson. You got uh, Ben Schwartz is in it. You got Dave Franco um, and uh, many others. Oh, uh, Tiffany Haddish is just amazing in it, honestly. I liked her character more and more, I feel like, as the show went on. It's just really cool because the style changes every episode. And I just, again, the way this show is done just in general is so good. It's so worth watching. It's such high production values, again, just as Apple TV has done. And Apple TV has kind of been hitting out of the park lately. Like they've had some misses, like not misses, but like some ones that you people don't necessarily love, like C mm-hmm. and like people don't love the morning show. I feel like as much as they might considering its production values yeah. and it's crazy acting uh, actor cast. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, this show is genuinely awesome. Severance. I still recommend. And uh, let's move on to the news. Adrian, what do you think? No. Okay. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, as Publication Variety reports, Euphoria is officially the second most watched HBO TV series since 2004. This viewership metric is measured both across linear TV, streaming, and on-demand 
platforms. The most watched TV series for HBO was medieval fantasy series Game of Thrones, which managed to garner a whopping 46 million sets of eyeballs for its eighth and final season. Euphoria, on the other hand, pulled in an average of 16.3 million viewers throughout its season two run, while nearing 19 million viewers for some episodes. Lately, HBO has been measuring viewership over a 90-day period, which is a timeline that Euphoria season two has yet to cross. In contrast, over a 90-day period, Euphoria's season one episodes collected 6.6 million viewers on average. Twitter announced recently that Euphoria is the most tweeted about TV show of the decade, having generated over 30 million tweets thus far. HBO's incredibly well-reviewed Zendaya-starring series is a gritty high school drama created by Sam Levinson, which aired its second season finale on February 27th and was recently renewed for a third season. Adrian, know you liked season one of Euphoria. What Mm -hmm. do you make of this news of it being the second most popular TV series for HBO since 2004? I think this is absolutely nuts, man. And what is so shocking to me is the 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 gap between the second most watch compared to the first most watch with Game of Thrones being 46 million versus, you know, uh, what, 19 million for this one. It's it's quite uh, quite a wild disparity, but it could exceed that, though, over over 90 days. Because mm-hmm. of the 90-day rule, but we'll yeah. see. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still have yet to watch uh, season two of Euphoria. It's on my list. My uh, my girlfriend actually just started watching the first season. So I said like when she catches up, uh, we'll watch like season two together. That's something to watch. Cool. Yeah. Um, but good. I don't know. It's 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 – that first season was genuinely phenomenal. I think this is kind of well-deserved. It's interesting too because I feel like Euphoria – a lot of like, I feel like a lot of shows they tend to do better when they're like, you know, big on the internet in terms of like meme culture as well. Because I feel like there's yeah. so many euphoria memes like left and right, and I feel like everyone and their goddamn mother's talking about this show. Like so many people, um, even like at work, like I have a bunch of people like coming up to me like, oh, have you seen like season two yet and stuff like that? I'm like, no, no, like I definitely want to. Um, but it, it's 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 really interesting, honestly. Um, just again, that, that that disparity between Euphoria and Game of Thrones. And one thing I kind of want to pose a question to you is like, do you think this is going to kind of hold that second place? Because HBO has quite a few shows coming up. For me, the big, the two big ones that jump out that might actually exceed this is, um, what is it, House of Dragons, which is the Game of Thrones like prequel series, and The Last of Us. Those are the two mm-hmm. where I'm like, I can see those possibly, you know, being absolutely huge now mind you the last of us is because like i'm a huge fan i think again that video game is like uh, arguably one of the greatest video games ever created and i think you know video game uh players will probably you know watch that show and show it to everyone they have but what what do you think about that do you think you can see things crossing this that are coming up uh i do because of what you just said the the first show that came to mind for me honestly is the last of us the Last of Us has gotten like a lot of hype, I feel like. And the reason why I think it will be good is if the critics receive it as well as I think they will mm-hmm. because of Neil Druckmann's involvement, like the creator of the game, mm-hmm. uh, the two games, the first two. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a third, but we'll see, I guess. Um, but I just feel like that involvement is probably why it's going to be good. And Craig Mazin, who made Chernobyl, and people genuinely love Chernobyl, and mm-hmm. I genuinely love it as well. Like that limited series was really good. And um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that this is the Last of Us. Although House of the Dra- House of Dragon or whatever is it just House of Dragon or House of the Dragon? I don't remember, man. I'll find out. House of Dragon just seems like they're missing a word, but maybe I'm 
mistaken. Anyway, but House of the Dragon, like the Game of Thrones spinoff series, arguably... It's the dragon. Yeah. It will arguably pull in more people. I feel like than yeah. than Euphoria. Euphoria is interesting because it's it's a. I feel like it's a very specific generation, like a very specific uh, demographic is watching it. Maybe mm-hmm. like not completely. I'm sure like you, it branches off for to other demographics too. But I feel like everyone was just for some reason into Game of Thrones. I, I, I which is kind of almost weird to yeah. me. But I think it's like the combination of like all the like the sex and the violence and the the mature political themes that somehow pulled mm-hmm. in every type of audience somehow to that show. But uh, I think that the house of the dragon will potentially, if it's reviewed well again and people start buzzing about it. And if it makes some of the shocking moves, that game of Thrones does mm-hmm. like the game of Thrones series does then potentially, yeah, it will surpass this. But I honestly think that the last of us will too, yeah. if they do it properly, but we'll see. Yeah. The, the only thing that I think that might hold the house of dragon House of the Dragon back is just the negative reception that Game of Thrones season eight received by so many people. I feel like yeah. the, the, the vast majority of people you talk to out on the street are like, yeah, season eight of Game of Thrones sucks. Like Game of Thrones sucks. Like uh, I, I feel like a lot of people kind of got sick of it by the end. So I, I don't know if that, you know, kind of burnt a lot of people and, and made people uninterested in this universe. It might have a little bit for sure. Uh, I, I know myself, like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm excited for the House of the Dragon. I, am I going to watch it? Hell yeah, I am. Uh, and I think you and I both are kind of in the camp like, yeah, season eight wasn't the greatest, but we still really liked it. Like, I don't know. I, I at least quite liked it. And I think it had one of the best episodes of the entire series. That second episode in that in that last season is fucking phenomenal, in my personal opinion. But uh, because we watch like reviews so much, like we, we, you and I, I think that it's going to depend on the reviews for me because there's so many shows out there. If House of the Dragon just thinks it's going to do this on name alone, I'm not jumping in. If you're saying mm-hmm. the critics are reviewing this and like they're saying, "Wow, this is a great show. This is a great follow up." Oh man, I'm I'm in, but I I'm mm-hmm. not completely sold. Like I'm way more sold on The Last of Us, especially because of the the angles oh, yeah. they've taken and the casting they've made and the screenshots they've 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 chosen and the creators that are involved. I feel like that whole the whole combination. There's not a single hair out of place so far for me that makes me not mm-hmm. want to watch that series. So that's what I'm most yep. interested in. And I imagine that other gamers, especially PlayStation gamers, would be interested in it for that reason. But I think you can pull in way more people because what show is incredibly popular on cable TV? The Walking Dead. And this is another mm-hmm. zombie series. And zombie sh- uh, zombie shit has kind of been off to the wayside a little bit over the last few years. Like the Walking Dead is still popular and obviously they keep making more spinoffs. So obviously it's still generating a lot of hype elsewhere in the industry. But I feel like the time of zombies is kind of, it's like we, we hit a peak and it's kind of come down into a, a valley. And I think it might be the perfect time to go back and put into a little bit of a peak, especially because mm-hmm. that show shouldn't be really zombie centric, just like the game isn't. It's all about the relationship between the characters it has nothing like the, the zombies are a setting. And that's one of the beautiful things about that game series. So it's, mm-hmm. like if you think about it it could have just not taken place in a zombie apocalypse you could have been fighting weird decrepit wolves and it would have been kind of yeah. similar you know what i mean like i, I don't know i don't know that would have been weird actually it would have been werewolves but we're regardless you know what i'm saying <laughs> i think yeah i know what you're saying yeah yeah cool cool all right number two as reported by variety and half predicted by directors george lucas and steven spielberg nine years ago amc theaters is charging an extra dollar fifty per ticket for the batman in the united states in what is being called the variable pricing experiment. As AMC CEO Adam Aron points out, 
quote, this is all quite novel in the United States, but actually AMC has been doing it for years in our European theaters. Indeed, in Europe, we charge a premium for the best seats in the house, as do just about all other sellers of tickets in other industries. Think sports events, concerts, and live theater, for example, unquote. At a 2013 panel at the University of California, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg talked about a future with a high likelihood for fewer theaters with bigger sound and bigger screens and more expensive seating. Lucas talked about most movies being available on demand, with moviegoers enticed to go to watch a movie in theaters for a more distinct experience. Spielberg specifically said that, quote, there's going to be eventually day and date with movies, and eventually there's going to be a price variance. You're going to have to pay $25 to see the next Iron Man, and you're probably only going to have to pay $7 to see Lincoln, unquote. Adrian, thoughts on the variable pricing in the U.S. AMC theaters and wondering if you think this might come here to Cineplex theaters, which is our Cineplex, of course, being mm-hmm. the biggest theater chain in, in Canada. Yeah. So what are you thinking? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm of a couple minds on this one. Like I don't like a quick gut check. I don't like this. I think this is dumb because I don't understand how you can value one movie over another. I, I think that you start kind of stepping on toes, I think. And it can be viewed as a negative thing. Like, oh yeah, this like art house film is, you know, way cheaper than the next Marvel movie. And it's, I, I don't think you can necessarily put a value on, on a film like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, if it's like the reason why this movie is more expensive to watch is because it is playing in higher quality cinemas in higher quality, you know, like better quality screens, better quality you know, sound kind of like ultra AVX hearing at Cineplex, like it costs more, like it's more expensive or IMAX, it's more expensive. Then, then I'm kind of for it. That makes sense. Yeah. Screw it. Like if you're paying for a better audio visual experience, then sure charge more money. But I, again, I'm not a fan of kind of almost devaluing or valuing specific movies more than others. I, I don't love that idea. What about you? Um, I don't know if you're valuing it. Uh, it's interesting. Like you are kind of devaluing the other movies, I guess, if you think of it like a, on a grand scheme of things, I suppose. Um, but if you look at more specific values, like the budgets of movies are always different. A movie like Lincoln costed way less to make than a movie like Avengers Endgame. It's just the mm-hmm. way it is. So like if you're making like Drive My Car, that budget's probably what? Not more than $30 million. I don't know. Probably not. I doubt it. But a movie like um, Spider-Man No Way Home, that costed a lot. So to charge more for Spider-Man No Way Home or the Batman, which I think was like somewhere close to $200 million to, to make, I can kind of see it in that perspective. Do I love this for Canada? Mm, not really. And especially because I rather they go the angle that uh, Cineplex is going now and I hope that they really double down on, which is the Cine Club. I think that the mm-hmm. subscription tier kind of concept of making these subscription fees, which is very very good value for what they're charging, like $10 a month and you get a free movie ticket every month. Um, it's kind of great. Yeah, plus like the discounted ticket pricing and discounted concession pricing. Yeah, and the and as you just pointed out, which I, I think is kind of great for this conversation is, I mean, the bigger movie theater, the bigger screen, the bigger sound, you pay more money. We're already doing mm-hmm. that. Like the, the movies that go into an Ultra AVX and go into IMAX is not a movie like Lincoln. It's not a movie like Drive My Car at all. We're never going to see. Mm-hmm. We may never, never see Drive My Car in a Cineplex theater in Guelph at all. Um, it's just the nature of the Guelph cinemas. They 
typically uh, sell blockbuster tickets. But the idea is usually the blockbusters end up in an IMAX and in an Ultra AVX. So we kind of are already doing price variance tickets in Canada. And I'm sure that was already happening in the AMC theaters in the States in some respect. Because again, the IMAX theater movies is not typically a movie like Drive My Car. So Mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense, I guess. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't respect like the idea that it's just the movie somehow that's, you're, you're kind of right. I think I'm I'm on your, I'm on your side. I think, I think they're already doing this here though. And I, I really rather them just do the cine club where again, we get subsidized movie prices or free movies every month and just double down on that. Don't, don't do these, Mm -hmm. like don't make this weird fluctuation because it could honestly alienate certain viewers. They might just wait. And like the more you make tickets, like people are just going to pirate it, man. Like, yeah, that already happens, especially with day and date releases, which they've been doing already. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. Or like, again, yeah, like or what Disney's been doing with Premier Access, like, you know, Black Widow being yeah. torn to shit. We don't know how this uh, whole industry is going to go. So AMC is kind of playing with fire at this point. Like they might have been able to do this like years ago, but like you're doing this mm-hmm. now. <laughs> like you don't understand yeah. like y- y- any of these any of these guys, Warner Brothers or Disney, could just turn around and decide that it's a day and date release. And then you suddenly aren't enticing because you made that movie more expensive. And then it's the price of, because people are always comparing like the price of premier access to the price of tickets. So if you make your mm-hmm. movie tickets way more expensive, like let's say you make it $5 more for like um, Multiverse of Madness, like the Doctor Strange mm-hmm. movie that's coming out. It's like, well, because it worked for the Batman. So you're like, oh, let's try it again. It's like, eventually it might just come crashing down. And then you're just going to have yeah. a huge problem on your hands. So I'm not sure it's a good idea. If you're going to pay for IMAX, which you're already doing variance pricing, fine. Just that's great. You put it in an IMAX mm-hmm. and we're going to pay more. We're paying like $5 extra. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to pay more for D-Box. I'm willing to pay more for the awesome Dolby Atmos sound in uh, Ultra AVX. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think I'm on your side on this. This is a, a little bit silly. I, I kind of yeah. leave it the way it is. It is cool though that Lucas and Spielberg kind of called this. I, I did Critic, appreciate yeah. that in the variety or sorry, deadline article was mentioned. Oh, sorry, not deadline. It's variety. Yeah. The variety article that was specifically mentioning that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. And yeah, I, I think that, that the issue with this is like, you're doing it now. It's, it's going to be hard to put the genie back into the bottle if it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Uh, well, they did with premier access kind of yeah. not completely, but they did a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. We'll see. It's an interesting yeah. one. It's an interesting like the, how this industry is going to go. I ho- I hope it does well. Like this this thing that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were kind of claiming was that a lot of these theaters are going to shut down. Like they're just going to mm-hmm. have way less theaters. So I'm curious. Like that hasn't really happened in Canada. Like I haven't seen too many closures even through the pandemic, which I'm quite impressed with. Like wow, kudos to you guys. Hopefully mm-hmm. that's not going to just come to the fore in like a few months. Yeah, release their earnings and like, ah, we're going bankrupt. So it's nice knowing you. <laughs> that would be really sad. Um, but I think that lawsuit the Cineplex just won against Cineworld probably helps them a lot. Yeah, definitely. I can't, I can't believe they won $2 billion from that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they won the lawsuit and get to keep the company. Uh, I think I feel I looked that up again thinking I missed something, but I, I don't see what I'm missing on that. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy considering they were selling Cineplex for 2.4 billion or something and they made out with two mil, two billion dollars and so much money <laughs> in winnings from the loss. I, I know they're appealing, so Cineplex uh, still 
fighting this. We'll see what happens in the future. But yeah. anyway, whatever. Number three. Story number three. As publication deadline reports, Disney is planning to launch an ad-based tier of streaming service Disney Plus by the end of 2022. Having ended 2021 with approximately 130 million subscribers so far, this new Disney Plus tier with advertisements is designed to help make a significant push towards garnering 230 million Disney Plus subscribers by fiscal year 2024. To speak to this new strategy, Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution Chairman Kareem Daniel stated, quote, Expanding access to Disney Plus to a broader audience at a lower price point is a win for everyone, consumers, advertisers, and our storytellers. More consumers will be able to access our amazing content, advertisers will be able to reach a wider audience, and our storytellers will be able to share their incredible work with more fans and families, unquote. Disney has plans to expand this new ad tier of Disney Plus to international markets by 2023. So international being Canada, theoretically. Adrian. We are international. Yeah. Often, actually, it's funny. When they're talking about like box office sales, they're actually consider us domestic, which is kind of interesting. Oh. We're often considered domestic, not international, but not for not for streaming stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So Adrian, what do you think of this? Let's add the ad the ad tier. The, the thing I thought, first of all, was literally immediately, I think you know what it is. Quibby. Quibby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was that was literally my first thought too. I was like, this is just Quibi again. That's because we don't have uh, that many ad-based services here that charge as well. And Quibi yeah. charged you money and had ads. And I just, I just, I don't know, left a sour taste in my mouth and I hated it so mm-hmm. much. It was the only thing Me I too. really didn't like about Quibi. I thought their content was actually not bad. I, I enjoyed it. I just yeah. didn't like that aspect. <laughs> so and. Fuck, man, I even brought up like Stack TV, which is like a channel you can get through Amazon and how it's like $10 a month and they have an ad at the – like literally in the middle oh, yeah. of episodes, That's which so I think stupid. is absolutely egregious. That's really bad, yeah. Yeah, so – They don't have any – the, the crazy thing about Stack TV is that they're not making any of their own content. So it's not like – I a, know. Like what is your – what is the value you're adding? To make this warranted. Yeah, it's it's just they have the distribution rights to what Adult Swim and Food Network and then obviously a few other things. Yeah, I guess. But it's just uh, – yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, honestly, with this, with like an ad-based Disney Plus, uh, again, I'm not a fan of it. I'm definitely not going to go on it. To be fair, I don't pay for my Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> I just leech off you. But, uh, <laughs> but – So, yeah, but, you're not going to go on but, it. Uh, but I definitely, yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like it. And it, it kind of depends on how they're going to do the ads. If it's like an ad at the beginning and at the end of an episode, then whatever, that's fine. You know, some episodes being like 20 to, you know, 40 minutes, but if it's like, you know, sprinkled throughout, it's like every like 10 minutes, there's an ad or something. I would, I would want to like blow my fucking brains out if, if I was paying money for that. Um, and the, you know, with Quibi, I think what made it a little bit egregious is that it was a beginning and end of every episode, but every episode of the TV show is anywhere from like four to 10 minutes. So it was like, you were saying, seeing a 30 second ad every four to 10 minutes, which, which was quite annoying. So if they do that for Disney plus, then I don't think it's as bad. Cause again, it's longer form content in a lot of cases. And, you know, if you're watching an hour and a half movie and there's only an ad at the beginning and at the end, then I don't think that's a huge deal. And if it can, you know, bring more people that maybe you don't have that extra, you know, four or however much money to spend dollars to spend. Uh, and you, you need to save that extra bit of money, but you really want to watch the, the, the new Marvel shows or star Wars shows or whatever else. And I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, but 
yeah, it really depends on how they're going to do the ad-based content for this and how how frequent it's going to be. Because again, if it's every like if it's like cable TV where it's like an ad every like seven minutes or whatever it is, then oh, that's disgusting, and I hate it. I feel like that's the most. I feel like that's what they'd be more inclined to do. It's weird because yeah. my girlfriend sent me a, a message when this is announced, and she just basically typed in. I think I think she typed it into Google, and she typed in Disney Plus with ads. And then there's like two articles. One, I think they're both from The Verge, and one was like. Disney Plus announces that there's uh, they're going to do an ad tier because it's whatever. They're making a push to make an ad tier. And then the next one was from June of last year. And it says Disney Plus is saying that they'll probably never do an ad tier. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. So it's like they said recently, it was Bob Chappick on an investor's call. He's like, uh, we're not looking at that at this time. It's like you were looking at that at that time. That was not long ago. That was 2021 June. Like, I think you would be planning ahead like that. You would not have been not thinking about it, at least, if you're announcing mm-hmm. it now. It's the beginning of the year. It's barely yeah. six months. I don't know. That's kind of a that's a weird situation. But anyway. Yeah. Full of shit, that guy is. <laughs> Bob. Bob Chaffick. Yeah. Uh, He's constipated, just like me. What? Is that a reference to the beginning? Because we started the show. Okay. Yeah. I'm bringing it back, Simon. <laughs> bringing it back to when you... It's been like over two hours for us. When you made a weird noise and I said, are you constipated? <laughs> and, and now you're just admitting that you are constipated, even though we already acknowledged that you poop a lot. It's it's true. You know what's weird? We didn't talk about poop for like quite a few episodes, and now we're just talking about poop like every, every hour, actually, because like this is a longer episode than normal. But uh, yeah. we had a lot to talk about because we watched two big, pretty big box office movies and theaters. But... Um, yeah, so for this, yeah, I'm not a fan of this that much. I don't really care that much. The only reason I don't like this, there's one specific reason. I'm going to pay for the full price thing. That's that's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. This is mm-hmm. my issue with this. I don't like ad tier because when you add ad tier after you've already added the full tier, what potentially can happen to the other tiers? They can go up in price? Yes. That's my issue. It's an excuse to increase the price of the other tiers. Because then they're going to start adding more content or whatever their excuse will be. And then they can move it at an accelerated rate. This week, Netflix's mm. price just went up or whatever to like $21 for, for me. It's so fucking stupid, man. Jesus Christ. It's a lot of money. And like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good strategy on, on Netflix's part because there's a lot of competition that does not charge that much. So it's a little mm. ridiculous. And Disney Plus doesn't charge that much, at least in the States. So I'm curious. Well, nothing charges that much in the States just because it's the Canadian dollar here for $21. But um, yeah, it, it is very strange though. It's a high price. So I'm curious, like, well, if people just flock to other streaming services, Paramount Plus is rising in terms of their content mm-hmm. and Apple TV is plus, Apple TV Plus is just not very expensive at all for what it offers. It's like six bucks. And they keep- Six bucks Canadian. They keep uh, like launching absolute bangers as you, as you might say about certain things. But- Specifically, also, they're focused on the hardware, I think, Apple. And they like the idea of keeping you in the ecosystem. So I, I wonder if it's like a, they'll ever get as expensive as Disney Plus, as an example, even though they've got such great content. They might increase the price, but they also keep giving it out for free in some aspect. Not for free for like a year like they were doing before, but like three months when you buy an mm-hmm. iPhone, etc. So it's a neat idea. But yeah, I, I just don't like ad tier at this point in the game because I just feel like it's an excuse to increase our prices. And that's mm. my issue, is that when will yeah. Disney Plus be $15 in the game Canada instead of the $12? And that's going to suck. I don't want to pay for that. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> You're not. So <laughs> currently anyway. Um, yeah. 
that's that's my that's my two cents. Fair enough. Cool. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one. As website Collider reports, director James Mangold's fifth installment to the Indiana Jones film franchise starring Harrison Ford has wrapped production. Wow, okay. I gotta watch those movies still. Maybe I'll watch it because I'm, I'm running that uncharted high. Hmm. Number two. As Variety reports, the second season of HBO comedy The White Lotus will take place in Sicily, Italy, and much like the first season, will star actor Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, I know you like the first season. Will I watch this? I don't know. Number three, better late than never, as followed by publication The Hollywood Reporter, Bender voice actor John DiMaggio has officially been hired on to reprise his role as Robot Bender in streaming service Hulu's upcoming Futurama animated series revival. He's back! Baby! Number four. According to publication deadline, West Side Story Academy Award nominee Ariana DeBose has been cast as supervillain Calypso in Sony's upcoming Spider-Man universe-connected film, Craven the Hunter. Amazing. Can't wait for this one. This is going to be so good, probably, maybe. Not. Number five. According to deadline, I Am Legend actor Will Smith and Black Panther actor Michael B. Jordan are set to produce and star in an I Am Legend sequel film with I Am Legend screenwriter Akiva Goldsman tapped to write the screenplay. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't know how you make a sequel to that, but cool. Number six. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Don't Breathe director Fide Alvarez has been hired on as director for an upcoming Alien sequel film. Ooh, okay. I like the Alien universe enough. I'll watch it. Number seven. As Deadline reports, NBC Universal's streaming service Peacock has greenlit the Anthony Mackie starring Sony PlayStation produced Twisted Metal car combat centric comedy TV series adaptation. That's some good alliteration right there, Simon. You're welcome. Number eight. As reported by Variety, the Christopher Miller and Phil Lord produced comedic murder mystery TV series After Party has been renewed for a second season on streaming service Apple TV Plus with actor Tiffany Haddish set to return as Detective Danner. I'm going to watch this comedic murder mystery. Number nine, as Variety reports, the I Think You Should Leave Netflix sketch comedy series creators Tim Robinson and Zach Kanan are creating a comedy TV series pilot for HBO Max called Computer School. I'm already in. I'm sold. 100%. I Think You Should Leave is one of the funniest fucking shows I've ever created. It's so good. May not be greenlit though pilot. You never know. You never know. Number 10. According to Deadline, Emmy Award-winning Fleabag series creator Phoebe Waller-Bridge's new comedy series has been officially greenlit at Amazon Prime Video. However, the title and plot details for the new series are currently unannounced. Honestly, I'm already sold on this. All I need to know is that uh, she's making it because Fleabag was genuinely phenomenal. One of the best like series as I can think of that I've watched in a while. Absolutely hilarious, heartfelt, amazing, really good. And that concludes the montage. montage. Adrian, what do you got for me, buddy? What do you got for me? Simon, I got new releases for you, and there ain't much. So I'll get through this quick. We've been uh we've been, you know, taking our time this episode. We've been talking a lot, so uh let's get through this quick. You ready? Well that's what you do on a podcast. Typically, I mean it's not much to do otherwise. We could sit in silence. You can. The pauses could be unbearable. That's a good one. Uh, anyways, this is for the week of March 7th to March 13th. That's a Monday to a Sunday, as per usual. And the first movie coming out is coming out on Wednesday, March the 9th. And it's called The, Bar- the, the Bombardment. It's a Netflix original Danish World War II film. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Whenever I think about Danish, I think of the d- like dessert. Mm. But that's just me. 
That's just me. Mm, I didn't think of that. I was just thinking about world wars. Oh, yeah. It's not. Let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. God damn it. Yeah, we already talked about um, <laughs> political canceling, etc. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, Too much politics. Let's get out of. Let's get out of that topic. Let's get out of here. Let's hey. get out of those topics. Let's get out of here. We don't want to talk about it. What is up next, Adrian? Well, what's up next is Friday, March 11th. That's that's the that's the day, and that's the that's that's when these movies are coming out. And the first one is The Atom Project, which is a Netflix original sci-fi movie with Ryan Reynolds and some kid that I think is him from the past, if I recall correctly, but I'm not 100. Yeah. percent But I actually, I think Ryan Reynolds is from the future. Mm, yeah because the past is the present yeah he visits his his younger self yeah it looks pretty cool actually i'm interested in that one because it's the i haven't watched the trailer or anything it's the director of free guy i believe oh okay huh. free guy was all right and mark uh, mark ruffle is in it as well what that's crazy mm, yeah. that's crazy. anyways up next is turning red which is coming out to disney plus this is that new pixar movie that takes place in toronto Cray Cray. I'm definitely going to watch that. Yeah, it looks exciting. I'm definitely going to watch that. Not coming to theaters. Yeah, which is wild. But uh, this is 100% I'm going to watch for next week. Cool, man. I'm telling you right now. Sounds good. Thank you for telling me so that I know. Are you going to watch it? Yeah, I should probably watch it if you're watching it for next week. We'll watch it for next week. We got it. Okay. That's a date. The Hyperions is up next. Is confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. This is a video-on-demand movie about a professor that creates a thing that gives people superpowers and it causes a rift between people or whatever. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Yeah, you never know. What's the whatever? I'm not going to tell. The Exorcism of God is up next, and this is confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. It's about a priest's past that comes back to haunt him uh, 18 years after he commits a, a, hein- a heinous act because he was, like, possessed by a demon or something. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't know. Hashtag excuses. I know, dude. People always just use, like, dumbass excuses. Oh, I killed this guy. It was a demon that did it. No. It was you. Yeah, you got to own it. Just own it, man. You killed a dude, that's you. You know, just own it. You ever kill anyone? No. Have you? No. Okay. We should try it sometime, though. No. Nope. Anyways. I'm not down for that. Off Season is up nope. next. It's confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video-on-demand movie about a woman that goes to an isolated island where her mother was buried after hearing her grave was vandalized. Very quickly, she realizes that was the wrong decision. Uh-oh. Spaghetti-o. Ash and Dust. Sorry. Ash Ampersand Dust is up next. It's confirmed by Movie Insider in the oh Apple TV. Yeah, it's a video-on-demand movie. So are I, we I wanted to make... focus the, a film ampersand TV podcast? Yeah. 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 yeah I don't think so. That's what we are, baby. <laughs> Split focus on film it. Ampersand podcast. Um, Ampersand podcast. <laughs> a film. We're a film. And a podcast. Uh, Film and a TV uh, podcast. Anyway. Two couples, two couples, Simon, are caught in the crossfire of a gang looking for a mysterious box. What's in the box? Qu'est-ce que c'est dans la boîte? Qu'est-ce que c'est dans la boîte, Simon? I get it. Move on. Next. (laughs) Ultrasound is up next. It's the final movie of the week. It's confirmed by Movie Insider in the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie about a man that seeks refuge in an odd couple's home after his car mysteriously breaks down, which sets in motion a change of events that will change their lives forever. Ah. Yeah, I know. Super intense. Super intense. No, I was making an ultrasound. An ultrasound. 
Oh, that's a oh, dude, that's a good one. Although that makes no sense. That's not what ultrasound is, but yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make an ultrasound. You ready? Okay, yeah, I'm ready. Is that a good ultrasound? I can't hear it, so you did a good job. Whoa. Okay, cool. I thought you were gonna honestly, I seriously thought you were gonna do for some reason, you're gonna do the sound of your raptor, the raptor noises. <laughs> That's why for some reason I thought that's what you're going to do, but you didn't. You know, I'm going to do it. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. It's a little late. It's also, yeah. I mean, you can do it, but. Oh, (laughs) no, that wasn't a good one. That wasn't. It's also just the sound of a dying seagull. So it's not a sound of a dying seagull. It's the sound of a raptor in the hit movies, Jurassic Park. Anytime I say your raptor noises, I've got, like I'm doing air quotes just naturally. I didn't even realize raptor noises i, I i'm just not even around you. if you i know that's what's so crazy is it's just instinct my hand just raises up off the desk and just does air quotes that's not nice you're a bad friend i can't believe you would have done speaking that. of desks are you have a desk now or are you still sitting in a sock drawer i'm i'm not sitting in a sock drawer simon i'm using a sock drawer i do i do have a coffee table yeah but the coffee table is a little low so i yeah. push the coffee table out of the way and i bring my my, my sock drawer to the forefront so I can speak into the microphone because it's perfect. It's perfect height. Perfect height. This setup is even worse. Like it's described now in a different way. And I kind of don't understand it even more now, but I guess we'll leave it for next week. I'll send you a picture right now. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe leave it a mystery. I can keep asking you about it and we can keep discussing it so you can describe it. Are you allowed to send me a picture? Uh, we're on the podcast. Yeah, I know, but that, I, don't, I think that breaks the rules. We're not outside. That's still te- technically outside this podcast. I guess you're right. Like we haven't done it so far, so I'm just saying. And you're right. I, I guess I'm just trying to keep keep things intact for the audience. We're just trying to make sure the audience is getting the most pure experience, right? That's, that's yeah. it's all about them. It's all about you guys out there. And Adrian, yeah. I'd like to ask you now: What do you have to say to the audience before we wrap this guy up? Because we're we're, uh, we're 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 it. This is it. This is the end of our regular yeah. scheduled programming. So what do you what do you have to say? A picture is worth a thousand words. So if I were to send you one, it's technically talking outside this podcast. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, but uh, I guess I guess I guess on top of that, what, what I would like to say is that uh, um, you can find us on a bunch of podcast uh, uh, streaming services. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on iHeart Radio, on on uh, on TuneIn Radio, on uh, on on actual YouTube YouTube just YouTube. You can watch the the video. There's no video. It's just a it's just a still. You can look at a a still image while we while we talk to you through your computer screen. You can uh, you can like and and sub, you can you can subscribe to to a lot of them. You can rate us on both Apple Podcasts and now Spotify as well. If you rate us, it helps us out. I'd appreciate it. Um, um, yeah, uh, you can you can you can reach Simon and I through uh, splitfocuspodcast at gmail if you want to write into us and, and and say things to us, and we will one hundred percent, most definitely read uh, anything you write into us, literally anything. I feel like you you, you kind us. of went to like a New York accent a little bit there. Hey, we'll uh, you can, you can ra- write us, and you can. I, I can't even do a New York accent right now. I can't do it on call. Hey, you can write into us. We're gonna read your read your letters on the podcast. We're gonna read your letters on the podcast. Get the. F- there we Fuck go. off, Spider-Man, you piece of shit. Hey, Spider-Man, do a flip. I hope you break your neck. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. That's awful, Adrian. And uh, that's it. So thank you for listening to the 88th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Hey, gang, this is Adrian Pinter. I'm about to sign off. And um, 
you know, um, you know who else likes to use um, ultrasounds? <laughs> uh, Batman from Batman versus Superman, which is a good movie. It's a great movie. I could have just related it to the Batman movie that we watched because that's too late now. Anyways, I'm going to continue. Uh, and Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. Welcome to Raccoon Town. It's That's a great movie. It's good. It's better than Uncharted in my personal opinion. I'm not even being facetious. And uh, that's it. That's all, baby. That's it. That's all. Have a good night. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.